When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Purina Mills is your partner when it comes to taking care of your livestock and continuing to look for better performance as well as profitability. Joining me today is Dr. Rebecca Klopp. She is a calf and heifer specialist, part of the Purina Animal Nutrition Team, joining us now to focus in specifically on calf care and heifer management. Rebecca, thanks for taking the time. Why don't you go go ahead and start by just explaining a little bit about your background and why you have such a passion for taking care of calves and those heifers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I am from Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up, a little town called Bethel, Pennsylvania. So I went to Penn State for my undergraduate degree um, in animal sciences. And that's where I kind of got introduced to the dairy side and the calf and heifer side. So I did not grow up on a farm, um, but I started milking cows at the Penn State dairy and doing some calf and heifer nutrition research. And that's kind of what, what sparked my interest in this area. So after my undergrad, I then went on to Clemson University to pursue a master's degree looking at calf health and management and nutrition. Um, I liked that so much that then I went on to do a PhD at Purdue University, again, really focused on the the dairy calf um, health and management and nutrition side of the dairy industry. You know, in the dairy industry, we talk a lot about that's our next generation. Those are our profit makers. That's where we want to train our eye. But boy, you don't know what you've got until you've kind of got it brought along a little bit, Rebecca. Let's talk a little bit on what you believe are some of the critical components that may sometimes be overlooked or not managed as well as they should be on the front end, right after birth. What are some of the priority items that you like to stress with dairy farmers once that calf is on the ground? Yeah, great question. So I have a couple things that I really like to focus when we talk about early life and as soon as that calf hits the ground. Um, So number one, when we think about the nutrition side of it, um, the first meal that calf is going to consume is colostrum. And colostrum is really important to that dairy calf. They are not born with any antibodies that transferred from their mother in utero. So they really need that colostrum to get those antibodies passed from mom to calf. And the reason that is so important is because calves own immune systems are not fully developed and they need those antibodies from mom to help protect them from pathogens and bacteria that's in the environment until their own immune system can take over. And now when we talk about colostrum, it's not always cut and dry as simple as they got the colostrum, they're good to go. There are a lot of things that we need to consider when feeding colostrum. Are calves getting enough colostrum? So the current recommendation is about 10% of that calf birth weight. Um, For a Holstein, that's roughly about four quarts of colostrum. For a Jersey calf, that's going to be about three quarts. So making sure they're getting enough colostrum, making sure that it's high quality colostrum and that it's clean. So making sure whatever that colostrum comes in contact with, whether it's a bottle or a nipple or esophageal tuber, um, the pail that it's collected in, everything is really clean to help reduce um, bacterial contamination. And then we also want to make sure that calf gets colostrum within the 
first four hours after it's born. And that's just going to increase the efficiency of absorption of those antibodies. Um, so colostrum is a big thing when we think about nutrition in that early life animal. But some other things that I really like to stress is the environment that the calf is born into. So making sure our maternity pens are clean, they're dry. Um, you know, it's always great to add some fresh bedding, but every once in a while, you know, we need to kind of clean out that whole maternity pen, you know, sanitize it and start from square one with fresh bedding just to make sure that as soon as they hit the ground and what they're exposed to, we're really minimizing that bacterial contamination. And then the third thing that I really like to stress is dipping navel. So it's just another insurance policy that we can do for those newborn calves. When you think of their navel, it's an opening that if bacteria gets in there, they have a direct line to the bloodstream. So the goal is to, to disinfect that navel and then to get it dried um, so that there's not as much exposure. And that's what dipping the navel with uh, 7% of tinctured iodine is going to help do. It's going to disinfect and dry up that navel. Um, so those are my three big things that I really like to stress when we talk about a newborn calf. Let me go back to colostrum, because like you said, that is the building block that gets that calf off on the right foot. How long do you want to see producers uh, feeding that calf colostrum? And is there any way or uh, any uh, mechanism for monitoring the quality of that colostrum? Because just like the animal that itself, colostrum can vary as far as nutrition. So those two items right off the top. Yes, absolutely. So your first question about how long we want to do it for. So my my recommendation is at least two feedings of colostrum. So if we can get one feeding into that colostrum ASAP, if you're able to get four quarts into her, um, then, you know, eight to 12 hours later, do maybe another quarts of uh, two quarts of high quality colostrum in a second feeding. That's again, just going to try to increase the efficiency and get that passive transfer. One thing that actually current research is looking into is when you think about a cow, they don't necessarily go straight from colostrum to milk, um, like whole milk. They have kind of that transition milk period. And so we do see that there are benefits if you are able to add some colostrum maybe to your milk or milk replacer, or even do a third or a fourth feeding. There are other benefits in colostrum other than antibodies that can help increase health and growth of that calf. So my minimum recommendation is at least two, but if you can do um, even a third or a fourth or mix with some milk, that's going to um, really make a difference. And then your question about testing for it. So Great question. And this is one thing that I love about um, being able to test colostrum management is that we can do what is called, we can check serum total proteins of calves. So this is you take a blood sample from the calf um, between about uh, 24 to 72 hours of age after they received colostrum. So about a day after they received colostrum to three days after colostrum, you can take a blood sample and you can test the serum total proteins. And that's going to tell you whether the calf has had had successful passive transfer of immunity. So we can we can put the numbers, we can look, did the calf get the correct level and the correct timing, correct quality, and that they successfully got that transfer of antibodies? If the answer is no, and it was failure of passive transfer, then we know we need to go back to that colostrum management and pinpoint maybe where we're, we're lagging behind and what we can do to address that issue. Yeah, absolutely. Because as we said, uh, getting them off to the right Right, uh, on the right foot is 
incredibly important. Dr. Rebecca Klopp is along with us. She is a calf and heifer specialist with our partners at Purina. Let's talk a little bit more about that because there's nothing that will uh, debilitate a dairy farmer quicker than walking out to the barn and seeing that you've got scours on that calf or it just doesn't have that perk, that shine that you want about it. How do you start doing, I'll say, a triage on that, Rebecca, when you just know something's off about that calf? Yeah. So when I, I love being on farm and seeing animals in person, I think when you have your eye on those animals, you can see how they're behaving, what they look like, if they're eating. Um, and so when I'm on farm, if I am noticing that, you know, maybe some calves, I feel like they're not the size they should be. Maybe they have, you know, they don't have those sleek, nice hair coats. They're a little scruffy. They look a little, um, you know, not feeling the greatest. So what I like to do is I like to ask a lot of questions on farm. I find that that's sometimes the best way to figure out what's going on. Is that, has there been any changes? Maybe something happened nutritionally. There's been a change. Maybe, you know, you've had some really hot weather. Maybe it's been really mucky. Maybe it's been really busy. You've had an influx in calving and maybe the maternity pen didn't get cleaned out when it should have. Maybe you weren't able to clean out old calf pens and you had to put a new calf in a pen that didn't get cleaned out. Out. I just like to ask lots of questions, figure out, you know, what is potentially happening? Are we seeing a health event? When is that health event occurring? How many animals is it affecting? Things like that. So when I'm on farm and I'm noticing things like that, I'll usually go to maybe it's the, the calf manager, maybe it's the owner, you know, maybe it's the herd manager, whoever, asking questions, trying to figure out what maybe changes could be happening, or maybe we're, we're dealing with a disease event that we need to try to address. And so that's kind of how I like to figure out from the producers themselves what changes could potentially have happened. And then that allows me to further diagnose what is going on and then add more, ask more specific questions related to that issue. And hopefully come up with an idea as to, I believe this is happening. Sometimes it's not always that simple. Sometimes we have to do further diagnostics or tests, or I have to maybe watch them feed milk replacer. You know, maybe there's a mixing issue or a temperature issue. So sometimes it's always not very easy to diagnose, but really diving in, asking questions and observing what is happening on farm is really valuable to diagnosing issues. Well, and one of the reasons I bring it up is if that calf doesn't get off to a healthy, strong start, it ultimately is going to haunt them for the rest of their productive lives. Tell us a little bit more about what we know that calf care from immediately at birth will shadow that cow's production basically her entire life. Exactly. Yes. So when it comes to thinking about what's happening early in life, um, some of the things that I really like to focus in on, and it's it's a great way to determine. So it's all about energy partitioning in these calves. And so what's going to happen is if we have a calf that let's say they got exposed to something, you know, early in life, they got scours and they got an illness, they didn't maybe get the collect correct quality. Um, you know, maybe they didn't get that full passive transfer. Maybe they're on, you know, a milk replacer that doesn't quite have enough energy and nutrients. So it all comes back to the energy availability of that calf. If we have a calf that's dealing with an immune challenge, the immune system uses a lot of energy and that energy is going to be taken away from potential growth and development of that animal and being used by the immune system. So number one thing that calves are always going 
going to use energy for is just normal maintenance and survival. And then if we have enough and the calf is not sick, then we're going to get that growth and that development. And that's why we see so, so early in life how what what we feed that calf and what it is exposed to is going to affect it later in, you know, its first lactation, second lactation later in life is because we are having some vital mammary development and rumen development that happens in that pre-weaning phase. And if we're not feeding calves correctly to get the nutrients and energy they need, we are stunting that development and they're not going to ever fully catch up to meet their genetic potential later in life. And that's why it's so important important to focus on this early stage and make sure that we are setting them up to succeed and to meet that genetic potential. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I don't know that we spend enough mental energy thinking about what we don't know early on, as you said, mammary development, those production qualities we're going to look for after she calves, but are really intrinsically developed very early on. What don't we know about that kind of growth and development in that calf, Rebecca? Yeah, so it's definitely still something that we are still learning from the research side. However, what we what we do know, there are a lot of questions that, you know, maybe there's a certain key period that maybe, the, you know, this two weeks of life is really vital. And so there are a lot of questions to still be asked to learn. But what we do know related to this topic is we have seen through research that when we talk about the growth of an animal, we can directly tie a pre-weaning average daily gain. So how well they're going to their future lactation. And like I said, it all comes back to that energy partitioning. If they have enough energy to grow and have that increased average daily gain, we see it's going to mean that there's also enough energy for that good mammary development. And then we see that in future lactation. So the the specific research found that for every 0.1 increase in average daily gain, it's going to be equal to 155 pounds of additional milk in that first lactation. So if you have a calf that's maybe growing at 1.5 average daily gain during that pre-weaning period and another calf that's at 1.7, that is potentially an additional 310 pounds of milk yield in just her first lactation. So we, like I said, there is still a lot of questions that we're trying to figure out, but we do know that there is that direct correlation to how they grow pre-weaning and how they are going to perform in lactation. Excellent. Wow. That is some big numbers there. Uh, Rebecca, talk to me a little bit. We talked about immediately the care that that calf should get after birth. What's the next stage where you think that dairy producers should put more emphasis on paying attention to those calves? Is it after they've been on milk replacer, maybe they're going into a group setting? Tell me about the next phase that you don't want dairy producers to lose sight of on the calf development. Yeah. So actually, I think the next phase would be the next set of nutrition that those calves receive after colostrum, which is either going to be a milk replacer, um, or maybe you feed um, whole milk, or maybe a milk with an additive in it to kind of provide some extra nutrients. So whatever milk source you're using, whether that's milk or milk replacer, that is really important. And also the calf starter. So the reason that is so important is, again, we know that promoting average daily gain in that pre-weaning phase is going to increase future lactation production. So by giving calves a high quality milk replacer 
or high quality milk, you know, maybe with a balancer or an additive in it is going to help with that growth growth and ensuring that they have the correct nutrients and energy to meet that potential. Now, starter is really important because as we think about a dairy calf, we are essentially going from a liquid diet to a solid diet in just a couple weeks. And if we think of nature and beef cows, you know, a lot of times they're on mom for five, six months before they're fully weaned. And they do it very, very gradually, where we're asking these dairy calves to go from milk to starter in usually eight weeks, maybe nine or 10, depending, but the average is eight weeks. And so we need to ensure that they're getting the growth and all the energy they need from milk, but then that they are being transitioned smoothly to that starter. And I find that that's usually where big hiccups happen is that calves are being transitioned too quickly or not gradually enough, or they're not eating enough starter to actually be weaned. And then that's where we'll see like a post weaning, either health incidents or a growth slump where they're just, their rumen is not capable of um, like utilizing all the nutrients that's in the calf starter. And so then we see that they, they don't, they're not able to absorb all of those nutrients. And then that's when we see growth um, slump. Or like I said, you know, maybe they'll get some leaky gut, maybe mm-hmm. they'll get exposed to a bacteria and then they're getting sick. So that's kind of the first stage that's really important, making sure that you're giving calves a good source of milk and that you're giving them a good starter that and that they're eating enough of it before you transition them and completely wean them off of milk. Well, and let's face it, Rebecca, these are part of the management strategies that all dairy producers have to be evaluating every day. We started the conversation mentioning that there are some challenges in dairy today based on milk prices, feed inputs, and that you really can't afford to Uh, misuse these wonderful resources that are our dairy calves, but you do have to kind of keep evaluating who's going to make the cut and who's not. Yes, that is so true. So when you, when we think about it, a lot of times when I'm evaluating on farm, um, as far as maybe, you know, you're trying to get rid of some animals, you know, depending on your, your repro program, you know, I see more and more producers that are breeding to be because they don't need all of the heifers or, you know, they're using sex semen to ensure that they're getting heifers and not bull calves that are have less of a value. So every farm is going to be slightly different, but I think it's really important to determine earlier, like before you're actually, you know, calving in and you're artificially inseminating those animals, what your needs are. How many replacement heifers do you need? You know, maybe I have farms that set like a monthly max. They they know they need approximately this number of calves a year. So they set, you know, maybe it's 50 calves a month is our max. Anything beyond that we're going to sell. Or when they're, they're discussing their repro program, they're, you know, using uh, like dairy semen for so many, and then the rest is going to beef because they know that that is a, you know, a more valuable animal at birth that they can sell and they don't need it. So I think a lot of times it comes back to evaluating 
what your needs are. If you are looking to grow, maybe you want all the heifers that you can possibly get because you're trying to increase your herd and that's fine. Then that means, you know, you're probably going to use a lot of sex semen and ensure that you're getting um, a high rate of heifers, but maybe that's not your goal. Maybe you're content. Maybe you have facility, you know, you're, you're already maxing out your facilities. You're not looking to expand right now. So really figuring out what your goals are and then making sure your program is fitting those goals to really maximize your economical um, profit. Sure. Protocol. Set your protocol before before the calf's on the ground. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Rebecca Klopp's along with us. And I assume, Rebecca, that producers are more inclined to invite you in on those conversations, especially when margins are tight. Uh, the, the bigger brains around the room generally make for better decisions in the end. Yeah. So I would say on farm, especially when, when we find that, you know, milk, aren't the greatest. I get questions all the time from producers, you know, what little things can we do to try to save some money? Um, you know, we obviously don't want to make drastic decisions that are going to compromise the health or the growth of our calves because of how important they are for the future lactation. But, you know, maybe if we're trying to cut some costs, it is as simple as, you know, maybe we don't need all these heifers. We don't need to raise all of these animals that are really expensive to raise. So maybe we get rid of some. Maybe we determine really early on that as soon as, you know, maybe a calf has, you know, it's treated once, that's okay. But maybe as soon as it needs to be treated again, it goes down the road because we just, we can't afford to continue to raise that animal knowing that it will probably not meet its genetic potential and make you as much money on the tail end of it as they're costing you to start. So those are questions I do get a lot. And how can we kind of make the system or tailor protocols to your farm to meet those um, those needs? Always involved in those kinds of active conversations. That what That's what makes for the best dairy folks in the industry. Again, we're joined today by Dr. Rebecca Klopp. She is the calf and heifer specialist with Purina Animal Nutrition. They are your partners when it comes to looking for profitability and performance out of those dairy calves and those heifers. And remember, if you've got questions, if you want to learn more about mammary growth in those young animals, then by all means, talk with your Purina representative or you can always visit PurinaMills.com. Dr. Rebecca Klopp, my guest today on your Purina Animal Nutrition Update.